What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. <sighs> it's been a few weeks since we've been uh, able to record just because of timing and whatnot, especially with the holiday season. I hope everyone had a good Christmas and a uh, happy new year and a good start to 2023. With the start of this year brings our first guest of the year. But before we get to that, uh, let's go over a few quick housekeeping items. With the start of this year, one of my goals for the actual podcast was to grow the subscriber base, obviously. And with that would be to offer some of my listeners some good deals. And once every I is dotted and T is crossed with regards to the, to the actual deal itself, um, we will be putting them on social media and on the business website, pointmentdefensivesolutions.com. But we are affiliated with four other companies right now. Uh, Brass and Unity is a veteran-owned small business that sells uh, jewelry. Actually, I wear one of the uh, bracelets every day, Um, a buddy check bracelet. And what it does is actually gives you the initiative once you're looking at the bracelet or whatever it is throughout the day, gives you the initiative to reach out to one of your friends and give them a call uh, to see how they are doing. Another company is Gators Eyewear. Every Navy Navy SEAL knows what Gators Eyewear is, but I have been wearing my Gators for about almost five years now. Uh, My Gator Magnum sunglasses, uh, they are a great company to be associated with. I'm very lucky as well to have them on the show. The third company is Protext, or Protect rather, P-R-O-T-E-K-T products. That's P-R-O-K-E-T dot com. And they offer different uh, supplements. Guys, if you're looking for hydration supplements, if you're looking for supplements to take throughout the day, go over to P-R-O-T-E-K-T, that's Protect.com and sign up and subscribe to them and get some of their nutritional items. And last but certainly not least, combatflipflops.com. Bad for running, worse for fighting. I love my combat flip-flops, man. They are amazing. Ask my wife. She knows how much I love them. Um, Yeah, go to combatflipflops.com and check out what they have over there. Like I said... Once all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed, you will be able to go on our social media, go to our Linktree account, and actually uh, find the either discount codes or um, find the affiliate program for each company through the podcast. Uh, that definitely helps the uh, podcast grow, and you know not trying to make money off this podcast or I know I'm not going to be making too much money because there's you know only a few of you that actually listen to me. So uh, with that being said, try to support the pod- podcast as best you can. Uh, and different ways of doing that are going on to Spotify, hitting that five-star rating, going to Apple iTunes, hitting, leaving us a review and leave us a rating there as well. Uh, going to YouTube, slamming that subscribe button. Uh, we actually, uh, with the interview here today, we're going to be releasing our first 
video podcast. I'm pretty excited about that. Once I actually figure out how to uh, edit the audio, or excuse me, edit the video, it will be up on our YouTube channel. All that being said, let's talk a little bit about our uh, guest before we get into the show. Our guest today is Dexter Pitts. Dexter is a veteran. He is a former Border Patrol agent, a law enforcement officer, an author, and a podcaster. Had a uh, great episode with Dexter once we were able to actually figure out what day we were recording, but we'll get into that uh, in the show. Like I said, guys, uh, support the podcast as best you can. Subscribe on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple iTunes. And with that being said, let's get into it. Oh, yeah, Dexter, what's going on, bud? Yeah, you can hear him right in the background, huh? Uh, yeah, what's up, brother? <laughs> not much, much, man. Not much. We uh, we finally got this on the right time and right day. Man, dude, I don't even want to tell the people how bad we both were. We're trying to get the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I can uh, I can do what you want better. So you know how we both, well, I thought it was, you thought it was what, Friday? Yeah. I, I thought it was yesterday. <laughs> yesterday I had... I didn't realize. So yeah, after you called me, I'm, I was like, what, what was a four 30? I me- emailed you, see you at six and you called me and you're like, uh, is that today or tomorrow? And I'm like, it's tonight, right? You're like, no, nah, man, that's tomorrow. The 10th. I'm like, today's the 10th. one of those uh, days. We're, uh, but, we're both uh, horrible. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was bad. And well, just to, just to show, I, I didn't realize I did have one scheduled at 6 PM last night. It wasn't you. Oh. And I didn't realize until I got a, I looked at my email at 8.45 at night. And I'm like, shit. Oh. He's like, oh, I'm in the studio. Where are you at? I'm like, uh, dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, like we were talking, you know, if anybody that does podcasting that actually works as well, this is normal. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a <laughs> lot that goes into it, man. People do not realize that. Like, you're trying to balance a life, a career. And then you got yep. this hobby, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm trying to make something out of it. And it's just like, oh, crap, man. Well, I'll tell you, without my phone, I would be totally lost. And without my wife, because oh, yeah. I don't remember anything. Same way, man. Same way. It was and, and work at midnights on top of it. Oh, you know, yeah. It, you don't know what day it is because it's when I was on permanent midnights, it was what day was it? I don't know. One, two, three or four because it was a four and two schedule. And so <laughs> I didn't know what actual oh. day it was. I just knew it by a number. So. Oh. As you're well aware of that, but uh, but yeah, man, I'm I'm glad to have you on the show. I'm glad to have me, man. Appreciate you having me on, brother. So you're you are a now you're uh on a law enforcement, but let's let's get back to the the beginning of things. You're a veteran, Purple Heart Correct. recipient, a, a law enforcement officer for how long now? Man, uh, thirteen years total. Awesome, awesome, and you're an author now and yep, a podcaster, yep. dude. You got a lot of yep. stuff going on. Brother, I probably too much, man. <laughs> I keep missing dates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all right. No, you got a lot of stuff going on and trying to balance a uh, a family life on on top of everything. You know, it's 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 hard. And I'm out on paternity. Well, I will have I was out on paternity leave since the end of uh, 
August when my son was born and I just oh. went back to work not, not long ago. And in the middle of that, my wife's like, why didn't you start your business right now? And I'm like, ah, good idea. And I think somebody somewhere along the way said, when you're out on paternity leave, the last thing you want to do is start a business. And oh, I'm man, trying I can to believe it. everything. Yeah. Yeah. But, put uh, you back in FTO, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I know it's, uh, it's been a learning curve and in, in, in podcasting is its own learning it's curve. Whole trying, to, beast. trying to book guests and, you know, just balance everything. And then never mind at 35, I'm not computer illiterate, but it's, uh, it's hard yeah. learning all this new software as you're well uh, aware. I, yeah. I've, I've given up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, I got a question for you, man. Why did you start your podcast? Man, why did I start my podcast? You know, so I started my podcast. I'm just over two years in, I guess. And uh, for me, it was during the 2020 unrest, the riots, man, because, man, cops, we were just getting crapped on left and right. And the media's putting out all these false narratives and these wrong stories. And, and nobody's telling the truth of anything and showing our side of the story. And I was just like, man, somebody's got to sit up here and tell the truth. Somebody's got to tell the story from the cop's view, point of view and tell the truth. And so that's when I was like, you know what? Screw it, man. And when I started my podcast at that time with me being as open as I was and am about where I worked and what was going on, it was dangerous because a lot of officers were afraid to stand up and speak up because officers were getting targeted and trashed by the media and their command every day. And so I was like, you know what, man, I'm an American citizen. Just because I put on this uniform does not mean that I've given up my first amendment rights. So why is it that people can talk about us and say whatever they want about us, but we can't say anything. We can't say our side of the story. We can't have a voice. And so I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it, man. And I'm glad that I did, man. It's been an awesome experience and I've gotten to meet some great people, gotten to know, man, it's just been great connecting and meeting so many great officers and getting people's stories. But honestly, I said, I started because I wanted other cops to stand up and not be afraid to say that they were officers and, and honestly, you know, be where, where they work at because a lot of guys are afraid to say where they work. And I was not ashamed to say I worked at the Louisville Metro Police Department. I am not an official representative of that department, although I'm no longer there, you know, but it's just like, man, you see me in the public every day and I'm a person. And guess what? I'm a person and I have an opinion. Now, I'm not going to tell you my opinion when I'm in uniform because that's not what I do in uniform. I'm impartial. You know, I don't play to one side, the left or the right while I'm in uniform. It's just right, wrong. And there's a lot of gray. And I try to make take those uh, incidents that I encounter at work in uniform and make the best decision possible. But I don't let my personal feelings and beliefs, you know, uh, determine how I do my job. I just strictly go by the Constitution and state law and policy. That's it. But when I'm off. Oh, best believe I'm going to be talking. (laughs) As I told my buddy, I was like, man, I'm an American citizen. I'm not going to ask the government for permission to be free. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I think it's a uh, it's an important thing to to what you just said that, you know, as cops, people think we're all black and white with no with no sort of gray at all. Man, there's gray in every single thing that, you know, you do on, on the job. There's so much discretion, you know, whether or not you arrest somebody or let them go, give them a ticket, let them go. There's discretion all over the time. There's so much gray. And in the opinion part of it, yeah, it is very tough to, especially in being, you know, never been in your shoes. I can only imagine on the uh, on the front line dealing with like protesters like that, but having them be in your face and looking for an opinion where you're trying to police at the same time 
and sympathize where, with where they're coming from, but also enforce the law. Man, it's that's a it's a hard thing to deal with. It is a hard thing to deal with, you know. And I tell people the best thing to do is, you know, confront the you know, confront it straight on, head on, man. And don't run from it. I mean, because yeah. I mean, like I said, we were on the front line every day for over a year. This yeah. was an ongoing, never-ending thing. And people make it seem like it was just 2020. I'm like, no, it was 2020 and 2021. Yeah. And then towards the end, of, like when it got cold in 2021 during the winters, when it kind of died down. And I tell people it's not over. It's just laying dormant. This, mm-hmm. is, this is the new way and the new thing in America. And protesting has always been there. But I was like, there's a difference between protesting and rioting. And there's a difference between exercising your First Amendment rights and telling me, Nigga, I'm gonna eat your kids. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. no, I'm gonna rape your wife. Like when y'all like what? Yeah, you know. And it's so yeah. weird now that I tell people the amount of people that you knew that I knew that I had gone to church with and had relationships with in the past, and all of a sudden now they see me on this big, mean, evil, horrible police officer, and they're like, "Oh, you piece of shit, pits." There's a video I actually posted on my Instagram. Man, there was a dude I used to work with him at the clubs all the time when I used to work security there as an off-duty officer. Never mm-hmm. had an issue with the guy. The next thing you know. This dude's got a face mask on, some glasses, and he's just some like somebody just keeps calling my name, like Pitts, Pitts, you a piece of shit, Pitts. Fuck you, Pitts. Fuck you. And I'm like, who? No, that's that's old boy from the club. You mother. Like what? And then I remember, <laughs> I remember, I ran into this dude like a couple months ago, and he act like we like we was cool, like and nothing ever happened. Like I didn't know who he was. Like he's, oh, what's up, man? What's going on? I was like, oh, word, you want to talk to me now without? hundreds of people behind you yeah. you want to have yeah. a respectable conversation and he was like oh man i don't know what you're talking about i, like, I don't know what you're talking about bro i ain't forget that day on barstown road <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah people people don't realize you get a long memory when it comes to that sort of stuff oh, and... bro, oh yeah every restaurant <laughs> in louisville and in the surrounding area that had a black lives matter poster sign in the window i will never visit that establishment ever you will never get a dime of my money Mm-hmm, ever mm-hmm. and i know every yeah. last one of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah man it uh it was a definitely a, it was a tough time to be a cop i i kind i started my podcast right around that same time frame in right after um the george floyd incident with Derek Sh- uh, chauvin and i started mine because when i looked at chauvin at that time i saw somebody who looked like in his eyes he hadn't dealt with the mental aspect of being a, a cop and what i mean by that was and I, I know nothing um with regards to his case or him personally so i'm i'm, I'm just making a, a grand assumption here but i had saw somebody in his eyes that probably had done and seen a lot of different things and not dealt with the mental health aspect of it and for me it was you know it was just getting i had gone through my own mental health struggles and been open about um going to see counselors and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it was just, it was, the podcast was meant honestly just for random conversations, but it kind of morphed into mental health for law enforcement, for veterans and all that sort of stuff. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite the journey. It's been quite the journey. And I was listening to your last episode. You had, uh, been planning your, your book for the past, how long, seven years it took you to write? Yeah. Seven years, man. Seven long years. <laughs> how how was that journey for you? Oh man, it like I say, it's definitely a journey, you know. And it, it's one of them things where it's like if somebody would have told me when I was younger, like you're gonna be write a book and be a published author, I'd have been like, no way. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, I, I've always enjoyed writing, hate reading. God, 
Reading is the evil. I hate reading. Give me a good audio book any day, you know, but I just I've always enjoyed writing and I've been able to take my thoughts and put them on paper. And I just started doing it seven years ago. And you know what sparked me to do it seven years ago? It was the start of all this BS going on. Like long before George Floyd, I'm talking about going back to Michael Brown, 2015, you know, like, and I started writing my book in a Taco Bell at first in Broadway in Louisville, working off duty because I was so angry and so mad at, I'll be honest, the black community, because I felt like I've been ostracized by the black community most of my life. And when I became a police officer, it became even worse. So man, when I started writing my book, it was just this angry, just spewing out all this and that and just, oh, these people did that to me. That person did that to me. Oh, and then I'm glad I didn't publish it at the time because one, it wasn't ready because my story was not done being told yet, but because who I was in 2015 versus who I am now, it's not the same person, man. You know, I've evolved, you know, I've grown now. I've you know my relationship with Jesus Christ has gotten better and I'm not a perfect man, but I've learned to forgive people that hurt me. And so my book I feel like it'll reach a lot more people because it's not coming from a place of anger. It's coming from a place of forgiveness and resolution and understanding, you know? And so, yeah, when I started, man, I was just bitter, just mad at the world, you know, like, and I was a young cop then I was only on for maybe what, like what Jesus can't even do math right now in my head. (laughs) Well, I look stupid. (laughs) Five years. So about five years, like, you know, five year cop, you know, and that's it. That, you know, at that five year mark is when the dream, no longer mm-hmm. a dream and it just becomes a job. Yeah. And it's just like, you no, know, that bitterness starts to set in and you're the angry, bitter veteran at the table. That's always salty talking about command and the people don't appreciate us. And I realized I was becoming that. And I was like, damn, man, they was really right. Yeah. I, uh, I started right around the same time frame. I got sworn in July or excuse me. I got sworn in April 5th, 2010, and then started at the end of the Academy in August. Yeah. So right around that same time frame. but yeah, it's right. It's uh or you're right. It's right around that time frame where you start like becoming bitter, becoming angry, and you know what the hell are they doing? Why are they doing this? You're talking about command staff and whatnot. <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, but if you don't mind me asking, why did you feel like you were ostracized by the uh, the black community growing up? Oh man. So uh, when people read my book, there's a chapter in there called dark skin drama. So man, I was made fun of when I was younger for being dark skinned by all the other black kids. Like when I was at me being fun of, I mean, I was tortured and terrorized and bullied and like beat up and hit. Oh, yeah, bro. And a lot of people don't realize that that still goes on in the black community, but it's never really talked about the whole ordeal of the light skin versus dark skin. Mm-hmm. And man, I hated myself for being dark skin when I was younger. I was mad at God for making me dark skin because I'm like, man, because if, if I wasn't dark skin, people would like me and people wouldn't make fun of me. You know, and my family's from Mississippi. And so. Man, Mississippi has a long history of that. And I tell people that slavery has been over in America for a long time, but we can't sit here and act and pretend like there are not still lingering effects and ghosts from the past of slavery. That, And that's one of them, man, where the slave master, you got to think you a white man and got all these slaves and it's just you and your 10 kids and, you know, your wife and you got like 100 slaves. Hey, bro, if they want to take it over, they can take it over. So what do you got to do to make sure they don't join together? Well, let me do it. I'm gonna make sure that they turn against each other and that they don't come together. So you take the light skinned people, put them inside the house, you can call them the house Negroes, and you got the big dark skinned people like me and my family members. You put them out in the field and, and you make them one feel like they're better than one's better than the other. You know, and then that way they'll never be able to come together and see who the true enemy is. And so that's why you know they call it's called colorism within the black community, but a lot of people don't realize that that still goes on, and that affected me for so many years of my life, man. And like I said, and I took that and 
always felt like I was never good enough or I was ugly just because I was dark skinned. And, you know, I would hear people say stuff like, oh, like, you know, or about women like, oh, she's pretty for a dark skinned girl. It's like, how about she's just pretty, bro? Like, why is it like, why I got to be for dark skin? And that's why I tell people like, yeah, America's racist. Well, excuse me, never America's not racist. People say America's racist. And I'm like, and America's got its problems, but we can't sit here and act like everything within the black community is copacetic. And we all just sing and hold hands, you know, singing the old Negro spirituals, bro. That is not the case, man. And that's because like say our community's broken and they say it's because of slavery, but we can't constantly use that as an excuse to continue to treat each other bad or use that as an excuse to, you know, say why we can't get advanced in this country. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, I, I, I never even realized that, you know, I had heard the, I heard some jokes between friends of mine, you know, growing up and whatnot. Oh, but. bro. I can only imagine <laughs> <laughs> bro, all the dark skin jokes I used to get. Oh my God. They were brutal. Oh man. But, I heard uh, one of, they said, uh, <laughs> you so black. If I threw salt on you, you would look like deep space. I was like, <laughs> you can laugh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> they, said, they said, "Oh, I remember one of the kids like, nigga, you look like under the bed." I was like, "What?" Like, oh, I had to think. About it. Oh man, it was brutal, man. But the thing is, it built, it, like, it built. It made me perfect for policing because by the time I was grown an adult, I was like, you know, I'm on the street as a cop. People are hurling insults at me. I'm like, okay, just sure, brush it right off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I've heard, I've, heard, I've, heard, I've, heard, uh, I've heard better. You know what I mean, sort of thing. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's a. Uh, it's yeah. I remember, you know, Dan Crenshaw, obviously the uh, the representative out of Texas. Yeah, Navy Seal. They had, he, yeah, yeah, and they talked about um, when Pete uh, Pete Davids, Davidson Davidson that was oh, when he, he made fun of him about like, his eye. Yeah, and he's like, and, and, and Crenshaw br- brushed it off. He's like, dude, I've heard worse in the team room. You know what oh I mean? God, so, yeah, bro. <laughs> it, you, you better bring him. You better, yeah, you better tell me some jokes I never heard before. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, and uh, I, what is your book for people who want to get it? Uh, it's I Am Pitts, Memoirs of an American Patriot, and it details my entire crazy, crazy life and my 38 years of existence, man. It's in, it's, you know, when I, re- when I talk about the book and when I think about it, this, and I read the story and it's just like, damn, is this really about me? Like, has my life really been this crazy and insane, man? You know, just like from growing up dealing with the dark skin issues and, you know, going to Iraq and getting blown up and going to Walter Reed and, seeing all these people in Walter Reed that are now famous and Congress people in 2005, bro. It's like, and I look at my life and going forward and I had all these issues and losing my mother while on duty to suicide and me in my uniform, having to take my mom off life support at 26 at the start of my career, made two divorces, my struggles with PTSD, man. My book opens up with me sitting in the parking lot of the FOP lot lounge with my Glock in my hand and putting it to my head and ready to kill myself. You know, and that it's just been an unbelievable ride. And I'll be, I'm so thankful to still be here. You know, God has given me, I call it, uh, I've got 18 bonus years, man. You know, January 2nd just passed. That was the day I almost died in Iraq in 2005. You're alive. And, uh, yeah, man. I'm just like, man, I'm still here, bro. And even when I didn't feel like I deserved to still be here and I thought I wasn't deserving you know, of living and living a life and I wanted to die. I made it through it, dude. And that's why, you know, you podcast like yours to talk about mental health, like, especially within the law enforcement veteran community and me, man, I'm more so focusing on everyone's mental health because, and I just, like I said, me losing my mom to suicide because it's a hidden thing. Like it affects everybody. You know, it ain't just the veteran community, law enforcement, everybody, everybody knows somebody that's killed themselves or that's battling some sort of mental issue, bro. And it's just, 
it's a people problem, you know, yeah. but you know, it, it's, it's more so in the law enforcement and veteran community because of what we endure daily. But, bro, there's some people that ain't veterans that I would never want to, ch- I would not want to trade my problems for their problems. And you've seen these people on runs before, man. Like you look at their life. That's why I like being a cop. Because I look at people like, man, my life ain't that damn bad. I'm exactly. not doing too shabby. Comparing. Yeah. You start comparing yeah. your, you know, just seeing your, either yourself in that situation. You're like, man, that's, um, thank God I'm not, I'm not there. And it, it, and it's funny. I always say that, you know, to the newer guys, I'm like, there's, there's only one thing that separates you from that person over there. You being the cop and that person being the criminal, it's one bad decision. And then it cascades yep. into, into others. And, that's you know, it. It, it, it's, it's, same thing with mental health. It's one one decision or one thing that's that's gone on your in your life, and it cascades into other aspects of your life or your career, your family life, and you know, it's mental health isn't something that is like you were saying, just law enforcement, just the veterans, or you know, it's it it's everybody. It's every single person has dealt with their own struggles, their own issues. You know, I have met many people like you were just saying that, you know, I wouldn't want to trade my struggles or issues with theirs because it's just overwhelming. And yeah, it's something that, you know, we need to break down the stigma. I know when I started uh, in New Hampshire, it was, we didn't, we didn't talk about it. The guys in the, in the, in the locker room or whatnot. If you, if you had gone to a call and I'm not even saying that all oh, mental health starts with a call or, or mental health illness or, suicidal tendencies start with the call but it's it's a it's cascading effect and the guys they they didn't they didn't talk about it they didn't want me to talk about it and i just saw that progressing throughout my career kind of and wanted to do what i could to uh to help that situation reverse itself and it's half of getting i believe half of getting over or getting through the struggles that you're going through is acknowledging and talking about them. And that's what we have to do. And that's what people have to do is acknowledge the struggle that you're going through and, and talk it out, whether it's with a counselor or a best friend or whoever it is, it's talk about, talk about it. It helps you formulate your thoughts, especially when you're down in that dark place at that time. And, yeah, it's just getting it out there to, to be in the open so other people know that you're going through this through that struggle. And, you know, we got to be careful within the law enforcement community with that, because, you know, it's it's good to talk to people, but we have to watch who we talk to. And, you know, because like oh, you were yeah. saying, it's not it doesn't start with a run, but it's what I call trauma stacking, man. It's one bad run here. You know, a kid died. You know, another kid died. You know, somebody got shot in the face and you just keep stacking, stacking, stacking. I mean, you go years upon years upon years of the worst days of people's lives. And what do we do? And hey, let's go to the bar, man. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna drink, <laughs> we're gonna drink, we're gonna drink <laughs> yeah. the demons away. <laughs> yeah, you know, you yeah. see that young girl yeah. over there at the bar, you're gonna go, nah, you're gonna go smash that tonight, and you're gonna be all right in the morning, bro. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, that's how we that's the old school way of how we do things, man. And it's so archaic, then be and it's so entrenched in the society. It's mm-hmm. like but it's like I say, it's even worse in the law enforcement and veteran community because that is just how we've always coped with alcohol and sex and all the, you know, and just working tons of overtime. And that's just how we've always done it. And the one thing I hate pe- hearing people say is why do we do it this way? Because we've always done it this way. Mm. Well, just because we've always done it this way. Don't know. means like it's nails always on a chalkboard. the right way. Yeah, man. It's just like change. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, bro. You do it. And it, like I said, I go back to the black community. It's even worse within the black community, the stigma of mental health. Like we don't deal with mental health in the black community. 
We just don't talk. I got a family member that said therapy. That's white people. I'm like, no, bro. It's for everybody. There's a you need medication. Listen, the pastor yeah. can pray for you all he wants, speaking tongues, dog. But you need some medication, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it is. It is for everyone. Uh, you know. Yeah, and uh, it's even worse when uh, you were getting off midnights and people want to go out, go out drinking and it's seven a.m. and it's like, oh man, they, you know, <laughs> every Ooh, every like, every oh, aspect no. of your life starts struggling after that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? and then it becomes part of the culture. Like I say, the oh, culture yeah. has to change, and we. That's why I tell people, culture is everything, man. If you got bad culture, you've got bad. You're breeding a bad society. Yeah. Yeah. Now I got a question for you. Did any one of your leaders, either in the military or in law enforcement, did any one of them ever ask or say to you guys that they were going or had sought mental health help? Hell no. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. Like when I was spiraling downhill and getting out of control, and I like I dude, I was messing up big time. Like I was going code three to like code one runs. Like I was like, man, I had an accidental discharge with my shotgun, bro. I mean, I was putting people in cars without searching them. And I was like clearing entire buildings by myself, like tombstone courage. Oh, no. And it was my one leg sergeant. I didn't give a shit, bro. And this one, my sergeant that was a Marine that had one leg that realized, hey, man, what's going on with you, bro? Like he ripped my ass and like they ended up taking me off the streets. And my command chain of command at the time was phenomenal. Sent me away for 30 days. Like, go take care of yourself. It, what mm-hmm. did, what did, what was take care of yourself? Not be at work. That's what it was. I didn't yeah. go get mental health counsel or nothing. I just kind of took time to kind of decompress. But it was nothing more than just don't be here. That's what it was. We're not going to fire you. We could, but you're a good dude. We like you. You know, and and, they, and that's all it was. I was like, hey, no, just don't be here. Decompress. Come back when you're ready. And I went back. If one to of work, your man. leaders had been like upfront or honest, or had said that they had gone to seek counseling would you have gone at that point absolutely because i i held those guys in such high regards and still do i still talk to them man Mm -hmm. i i looked up to those men because those were the type of people i wanted to be as an officer like these guys were like gods to me and i'm like you know if they tell me something like hey man if they would have been like hey let's go to the bar get drunk i'll be like all right let's go to the bar and get drunk but my one leader man major christopher he was actually on my show i interviewed him yeah he he was like let's go grab some coffee and chat and man, it felt so good just to have somebody that seasoned and experienced in life and would just chat and pour out everything I was going through. And that was phenomenal. It was great, but it wasn't enough because, like I said, I was all these traumas I've been stacking in my life from having, you know, identity issues from being dark skinned and, you know, Iraq and then, you know, divorce, you know, another divorce, you know, then my mom's suicide and then everything at work. And it's just like, you know, a best friend is only so is good only to a certain point, but you need mm-hmm. a actual professional. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and, and I feel like you know, that, go ahead. So you need that mentor, and it seems like the major was that mentor for you. Oh yeah, great guy, man. You know. Freaking, I wish he would come back, but he ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it's and it's funny because people, you know, you probably heard the Jocko podcast, but he had uh, always made the the connection of you know mental health being like uh, going to see a counselor, kind of like going to see the brain mechanic. You know, as soon as your car gets start getting out of alignment, you got to bring it to the mechanic, get it back in line. It's the same sort of thing with your brain. You know, as soon as yep. your brain starts, the screw gets a little bit loose, you got to bring it right to the mechanic and t- tighten right back up. Yep. But uh, 
Yeah. How did you celebrate or how did you remember uh, or do you do anything to remember your actual alive day? Bro, I had the worst steak of my life at Outback Steak. So I was so disappointed. <laughs> did you tell me you're a veteran and get it for free? <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. I don't know if I'll work at an Australian restaurant. That was like, hey, that, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You know, and hey, so we usually try to go out every year and celebrate, do something, nothing crazy, you know. But you know, I got a yeah. steak, man, and I was like, bro, this is the worst steak I've ever had. This is disrespectful. This is borderline disrespectful, man. At, at Outback, yeah. too. That's usually, you know, it's it's kind of good. It usually is, man. Like my wife's food was horrible. Like it did she got the uh chicken, the fried chicken with like the little glaze on it, man. It looked nothing like it did on the uh you know the menu and i was just like bro this was a bad idea i was trying to switch it up we don't go to outback often man but i was like i'm gonna do something different you know and yeah the, the shrimp the coconut shrimp the shrimp on the barbie was phenomenal i will say that oh, yeah. and the blooming onion you can't go wrong no, but every, other all. than that man that was, you know that was it man i was i was off that day and oh, and that was at one of the points man where i was like i'll struggle with the podcast i was like i need to put out another podcast and you know sometimes you just get so i got i was getting lazy i was like I got to sit down and research. And I was like, man, let me just go home and do it, man. And just start researching. I bang one out real quick and put one out, man. But I'm, yeah. it's always funny. Like with podcasts, like it's like, I'm never in the mood to do it, even though I like doing it because there's so much that goes into it. But <laughs> <laughs> but once I do it, I'm actually happy. Like, ah, that feel good, man. Yeah. Then the pressure's yeah. on. Cause it's like, Oh, it's like me. I was kind of stressed. I'm like, all right, I got to talk to Dexter at 6 p.m. yesterday. No, all right. And then not today. <laughs> and then I'm like, you know what? No, like, you know, it, it, it's like you said, it's all right. I got to plan this. Got to plan that. Got to uh, make sure the baby's taken care of. My wife, my wife's cooking dinner over there and uh, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, it is kind of stressful doing the podcast, but it's it's cathartic. It's awesome. I love it. You it know is, I mean? man. It's it so just, fun, like, dude. Yeah, it, it, it allows you to. I mean, I rarely hold conversations anymore, and I'm trying to do my best with you. Rarely, rarely hold conversations anymore where I'm actually letting the person finish a thought without jumping in and in, interrupting them in not a bad way, just in general. In You're podcasts, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty and the accent and the yeah. accent makes it a little better when you do it i'm all right but i like it <laughs> i appreciate it yeah but it, it, the podcast and putting the headphones on it makes you have that you know that just that long form conversation that i enjoy and uh and it's just it's therapeutic in itself you know like you say get to meet and talk to a lot of people that you never would have normally about sometimes about sensitive subjects and you know, and it's just like, hey, I just met you five minutes ago, and we're talking about when you get blown up, and you know, you, and then you're sitting yeah. in front of the FOP with a with a the gun to your head, and it's it's weird though, it's weird conversations like that that just kind of like organically happen, and I just it's, it's awesome. I think my twelve listeners like it. Uh, I hope they stick around. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, right, brother, trust but, me, uh, it, it, it'll grow, brother. It like when I started <laughs> mine, I I literally I was like, if I can get one person to download, maybe. Like, yeah, and, yeah. And now it's like I'm averaging two, three hundred, and and honestly, I'll tell you, man, don't even look at it. it yeah, honestly, it don't matter because I had my buddy, man. He was t- talking to me, buddy Brian. He was like, he's like, do you realize if you get like two, three hundred downloads, how major that is? I was like, really? I was like, not really. He was like, bro, imagine if you were standing in a room full of like two, three hundred people talking. He's like, that would be overwhelming. And I was like, yeah, yeah now that you mentioned that, yeah, that is, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a real talk, man. You know? Yeah, and the yeah. thing is, man, 
the one thing I realized with this is don't compare yourself to others and people's podcast and the honest man, because this is such a rough and tumble world, especially within the law, law enforcement community aspect of social media. There's so many dudes that are jockeying for a position to be that guy who wants to be the next Brandon Tatum or, you know, Mike the mm-hmm. cop and everybody wants to be on top. And it's just like, or bro, Eric just have fun. yeah, yeah, Eric. Can, yeah, you know, everybody <laughs> wants to be those guys. And I'm like, hey, bro, just be you and enjoy the journey. That's what I that's what I keep having to tell myself, remind myself. If I start yep. getting down, like I don't got only, only got 800 followers on Instagram and I'm like, it's OK, because this isn't my real life. You know, this is. This is a hobby I do. It's fun, but it's not my life, you know? And so yeah. it's one of them things, man, you know, where people, are you willing to sell your soul for a couple likes? You know, and I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, keep it real. That's all it is, man. It's like, it's just fun. Yeah, it's fun. I think I've been stuck at like, what, 595 followers on Instagram for, I mean, I took a, I took a couple of years off of the podcast. So I had started it in 2020 and then I moved because my uh, wife is from Massachusetts. She has one of those jobs that you kind of get right into. And, you know, where I was working in New Hampshire, it was a, it, that wouldn't have existed for her without going the trooper route. So, uh, and we've got oh, she's a trooper. And, no. So she's a criminal investigator. She does, uh, oh, she goes around the crime scenes and does all the crime scene armed and all that sort of stuff. So oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. She's badass. A lot more badass than me. Um, <laughs> she's right over there. She's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah. So I had taken, had taken the back, the podcast it, itself had taken a backseat while I moved down. Cause I was kind of in a, I was stuck in a rut for a little bit, um, because of just having left the job and I'm still part-time. So I go back and work about 40 hours a month and have the job with the dog now. Um, but at that time, it was just one of those things that I took a backseat from and didn't really have any organic growth. And I was, I kept getting the, uh, the Buzzsprout or yeah, Buzzsprout, like a weekly podcast download rating, whatever it is. And I was like, oh, well, people are still listening to this. I might just, you know, get it back on track and you're going to be the second one that, uh, first one of the year, uh, and second one, um, in the past month that I've, uh, I've released. Nice. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, that law enforcement realm of social media, it's it's hard getting into like those other guys have, and um, oh, especially yeah. you know, it, it, it's 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 a it's definitely a hard uh, hard thing to manage that social media because you got to be on it twenty four seven if you really want it to grow. And man, to I, I, I I I hate my phone. I I'm, I'm with you, bro. Be- I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm right there yeah. with you, man. And it's hard. It's just like, I was like, cause I, you like you, you have a brand new baby. You are trying yeah. to start a business and you have a family and it's like, don't want to pay attention to my phone or do I actually want to be present in my family's life? You know, and it's like, where's yeah. the balance, man? And I'll be honest with like the followers and all that, bro. I was like, honestly, I have, I think I like 800 followers on my Instagram and I'm like, I'm questioning how many of that is even real people. And they're yeah, not just yeah. oh, some yeah. like Asian bot. Like, hey, do you want to come over tonight? Like, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that's why I don't even I don't even pay attention or count it because I like I say, none of it's real to me. So <laughs> it's I, all I, fake I to like me. The so. Like, like when they when they like your story, you go click and see who it is or whatever. Yes. You know, like they have they have nothing. You, like nothing pops up. I'm like, all right. I'm like I have yeah. you know two people that actually liked it, and but it's saying like I have 15 <laughs> notification of that. I'm like. Where are those other 13 <laughs> profiles and they don't actually exist from China? But, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. They left Twitter after Elon, and now they are on yeah. Instagram. So, <laughs> but uh, I saw on yours actually that you uh, that you did the audio book for your for your actual book. How was yeah. that go? Oh my God, that was. Talk about PTSD, man. My God, dude. <laughs> Sitting in the hot ass closet for like nine <laughs> months. And it wasn't continuous. Like, it's like, you know, I'm doing the podcast and working, you know. Then yeah. my wife is like, when am I going to have my closet back? I'm like, when I'm done. I'm like, <laughs> bro, it was, man, it was such a painstaking process. You know, the day I'm feeling good and it's flowing, the next, you know, somebody starts cutting their grass outside. It's like, why you got to cut your grass on a nice day, man? Yeah. Airplanes flying over. Like, why are you flying over here? Like, it, and it just took so long, yo, but it finally got done. And I awesome. submitted, we, man, I hired a guy to help me do the audio and engin- engineering. Cause my editing and engineering skills are, you know, not great. Yo. So man, uh, we, we, we submitted it and I actually got kicked back today because of the cover art. So I had to redo the cover art picture for the book and, I'm not not the technological guy, but I kind of figured it out and how to crop it and put this in there and resubmitted it. And so I'm hoping that was the only thing that had to be corrected, man. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna brag a little bit because if there's one thing in this life I like is audiobooks. I love audiobooks. Mm-hmm. All I do is listen to audiobooks and podcasts when I'm driving, man. So because well, yeah, I was you driving around for eight hours a day. Yeah, ten, yeah, if not more. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, man. And I, that's, and so I knew how to read my audio book because I've listened to so many audio books and I was listening mm-hmm. to like snippets of it today. And I'm like, damn, this is really good. Like I was listening to the part of where my mom died again, bro. And I actually started crying, you know, and I mm-hmm. tell people, man, like when you write a book or you're reading your audio book, man, like you, you're reliving those moments. And I can't tell you how many times I've relived my, that moment with my mom in the hospital on August 29, 2010, how many times I've relived that writing the story, reading the story and reading the story again and again, you know, and it's still, it still resonates within me, man. That's why I, I can't wait for people to get the opportunity to listen to it. Cause I really think that they're going to enjoy it. You know, I don't, I don't tell you, people, uh, I hope they enjoy it. I know they're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Did you feel like a sense of dealing with that? Your mother's passing while you were talking about it and writing it. Did you feel like it being cathartic for you? Oh, very, man. Very much, dude. It, it all just, it kept coming back to me, man. And then, you know, it, and it would just weigh on me so heavy for days. And not just that, you know, just the drama with my sister. Like I was like, listen to that part again today. And I really, I still have a lot of stuff built up in me. Like, I'm not going to say anger, but just a lot of, uh, a lot of hurt still, even though I've forgiven my sister for the wrong she did me taking everything. Like she got over $200,000 and just, yeah. Blew the coop, took my mom's ashes, man. Took the ashes. I ain't even get to see the ashes, bro. And it's just like so much hurt, and man. But like slowly, like I said, I still I haven't talked to my sister and got like over twelve years. My father, I tried talking to him once, man, and that didn't go well. And so I stay away from those two. But I reached out and started reconnecting with my dad's side of the family in Mississippi. So it's like mm-hmm. it's slow healing over time. Like I say, I'm not angry, but I'm still hurt. And mm-hmm. I think I tell people that's okay. You know, I mean, when somebody you grew up with your whole life turns it back on you and takes everything and tells you you don't deserve anything, naturally that's going to hurt, you know? And yeah. it's going to take a while to get over. And I mean, because sometimes yeah. when, I, when I hear her name or somebody mentions her, I still get that thing in me that's like, oh. So mm-hmm. it ain't completely gone yet, man. And now, you know, I'm not a perfect person. 
Well, that's uh, that's good. As I bet, when you're actually reading it, you get to feel the emotion while while you're reading the book for you know production. While you're doing that, it gives that it gives the listener that sort of connection that they wouldn't have if you know I read your book. You know what I mean? It's yeah. uh, it's that sort of connection to the actual events that had uh, that had gone on in your life. Sorry, you can probably hear my uh, my son in the background right now. So. Oh, you're fine, brother. Between his crying, me coughing and hacking, man. So I got coronavirus uh, 3.0 over here. Something I don't know what's yeah. going on. Oh yeah. Are you in a studio now, or is that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, this is my basement. Yeah, this is my little my little oh, okay. basement I got, man. So I got a nice, it's a nice little setup, man. And uh, I told my wife when we bought this house last year, I was like, it's gonna be my studio, just so you know. <laughs> and I've thought, you know, I've thought about moving it out to the basement, like to a separate, like a small section, but so we could have this for guests. But I'm like, man, I put them on an air mattress in the living room or something, bro. Yeah, I like having my probably, little studio. They're gonna want to see the studio too, you know. They're gonna want to be a part of it in, uh, in, in, in take it oh, all yeah. in. Oh yeah, that's a that's that's what I'm doing right now. Is uh, the house that we're in I'm finishing the downstairs for for a, uh, a kind of like a living area because we have a small upstairs and. uh gonna put the studio downstairs once that's completely done it's not yet but it's getting there um, are you gonna have some uh you're gonna have some uh in-house guests you planning on it yeah yeah i i have a few in the area um as you know it's very difficult with schedules and all that sort of stuff but i have a you ever see, i don't know if you're a hockey fan um but there's a, a movie that was made called uh goon and i remember that from back in the 90s wasn't it <laughs> yeah. No. Well, it's kind. Of, it, that was slap shot. You're probably thinking of, or no, that was the '90s. But whatever it was. But Goon was uh, <clears throat> mid 2010s, I think, something like that. But it's a, it's a, it's based off a true, uh, real life. And the the guy is an officer in this area. Um, really, Doug Smith. So yeah. So I'm gonna have him on the oh, uh, the show, and I'm gonna have um uh, a coasty. Hopefully, he's gonna join me. He was a rescue swimmer, and a couple other guys that um uh, oh. that are going to be hopefully you know up to doing the video production it's going to be something new that i'm trying and uh get some gopros and set them up and see how it all goes but yeah it's uh the, the podcast itself is going to be more how do i say um oh god what's the word i'm looking for right now like it's going to come out more regularly there we go <laughs> it's all that go. cte kicking in <laughs> all them breaches but, uh, man <laughs> uh, yeah yeah for me it was, yeah that and motorcycle accidents but oh yeah, yeah. Ac- wait well, you said accidents plural oh yeah so how many uh, my- <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll have to post a picture so you can see um all these teeth right here are actually uh fake so i oh, yeah man. so i went before i went to my motorcycle uh like actual like education class, I purchased the motorcycle from my landlord at the time. And I, have you ever ridden? No, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, what they call, what they call whiskey throttled the, it's kind of like when you just dump the clutch and then grab the throttle and it takes off on you. And I <laughs> slammed into a boulder and teeth first, oh. mind you teeth first. And, uh, basically went, I was out for a little bit and uh, the bike landed on top of me and Oh God. It was uh it was yeah, yeah. It was uh one of those things and yeah, I'm not the best motorcycle rider, so I've kind of uh, put it <laughs> on the back seat. 
it's actually further on the back seat than the podcast was, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, I actually was dealing with a lot of post post concussion syndrome after those, uh, motorcycle accidents. And I thought it was, you know, PTS at the time, but it was actually just like a lot of just TBI sort of injuries. Yeah. And I didn't know at the time. And this is the only, uh, like I talked about on a previous podcast, there was only, um, like the one differentiating factor between TBI and PTS and it's the recurring nightmares. Everything else is the same and people, you know, it's been progressing to be more, become more relevant, more out in the open. Um, but I thought I was dealing with a lot of, you know, post-traumatic stress, but it wasn't that it was the traumatic brain injury syndrome. Yeah. So, yeah. And then obviously breaching, like you said, doesn't help. Um, and I can, I was to the point where I was feeling it every time I went to the range and it wasn't just your normal headaches, you know, cause you're for me, yeah. was, you know, shooting the uh, sniper rifle, uh, often. And it wasn't just your normal headaches from the range. It was the actual concussion of shooting that was giving me the headaches. And it was like, it was felt like my brain was getting torn apart. The so overpressure, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, so what, when did you enlist in the army? How old were you? I, did uh, I was, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, man, I was what? 19 years old in a uh, 2003. Okay. In August was it 9-11 that made you want to enlist? Yep. 9-11, bro. Yeah. That, I tell people yeah. when I write about in the book, it's the combination of 9-11 and Black, Black Hawk Down because they, <laughs> okay. September 11th happened and Black Hawk Down came out October. And it was just like, Oh man, I'm going to go get me some. I'm going to be a ranger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did you? Uh, uh, what unit did you serve with? Tenth uh, Mountain Division, Second Brigade, okay. Alpha Company, Two Fourteenth Infantry, the Golden Dragons. And awesome. so, a lot of people don't know that unit. That's the same unit from Black Hawk Down. That when oh, the shit. Rangers were trapped in the city, yeah, Alpha Company yeah. went into the city to go get the Rangers out. So Two Fourteenth Infantry. So with, uh, I didn't get to be. Yeah, yeah. They went get in with to NATO, be a, right. No, yeah, they yeah they went in with NATO and yep in the, the the Pakistani army. And so yep. man, I didn't get didn't go to Ranger school because I passed it up to become a well to go home and get married. But man, the fact that I was part of Alpha Company Two Fourteen, I was like, man, that's a that's pretty cool. And actually, in the back right there, that's the uh the little Alpha Company logo right there, the Golden Dragon. A little oh, warning sign, right like that. yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, now I wasn't a ranger, but I was like, hey, I got to be a part of the unit that went in during the incident. And man, there's guys that were there that were privates, and uh, you know, during the Somali Black Hawk Down incident, that were like now like squad leaders and platoon leaders. All these years later, man, taking us into combat, so it was pretty cool getting yeah. to hear their yeah, stories from that. I uh, I'm probably I'm a few years younger. I'm 35 now. I'll be 36 this, sometime this year and uh, later this year. But um, I wanted that life in 20, 2005, 2006 when I graduated, but I chose to go to college instead and then uh, got hired by the PD in 2010. And I actually Smart enlisted man. when I was... <laughs> well, I did my life kind of backwards. <laughs> Not, I didn't say backwards, but everything happened for a reason. And, and uh, I, uh, I enlisted as a medic, still in the Army Reserves now, so nothing I say here is uh, representative of the DOD or any agency <laughs> thereof. Um, but uh, so I, I actually enlisted. I turned thirty at Fort Benning, and I was that yeah. uh, that that old guy that you probably saw when you're nineteen. Oh yeah, twenty six year old. He's ancient. You know? Rimmel, <laughs> but my buddy Rimmel, yeah. he was 
He was a he was actually a paramedic and joined the army at like thirty five because they were extending the age because of the war. So what was that? What was that like for you going through at thirty, looking at all these kids like (laughs) eighteen, seventeen, eighteen years old? Like, (laughs) so like like you're saying, I still had some of the. I'm 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 not pissed off, but I still have some of the. I'm joining because of nine eleven in me. My the only um. The only military I had in my life at the time was my or my family was my my grandfather. And he talked about, you know, enlisting. Uh, he enlisted in the Air Force was the Army Air Corps. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was during Korea, but I believe it was the Air Force at the time. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so, you know, I so he enlisted because of what was going on and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I chose to go to college at that time frame in 06. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. But I get there. And you know, you know how it is. They 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 see you and they're they they try to make a snap judgment of you. Are you a thirty year old who has his life in in order, or are you a thirty year old who doesn't have his life in order? <laughs> and and luckily, I was the aforementioned. I had my life in semi sort of order at the time. And um, and yeah, so you know, it doesn't. I obviously have been through the the academy. I was on my second, no, my third PD at the time, and. Um, and I was on the SWAT team, been, been, you know, so I have like camaraderie and teamwork is, is something I've always, uh, been accustomed to. So it wasn't that hard for me, but looking, man, looking at those freaking 18 year olds and I had to, or 17, 18 year olds, I had to remind myself at the time that they're just kids. And <laughs> when, you, when they ask, Hey, hey man, why'd you, why'd you, uh, enlist in the army? Cause I had, you know, people are enlisting or join the military for a variety of different reasons. And I'm talking you know, it could be anywhere from, you know, this person was brought up with a silver spoon in their mouth and they want to get away from that sort of life and challenge himself or a kid who's in the middle of the the ghetto in the, in, let's say for Chicago mm-hmm. for sake of argument, in the middle of Chicago, you know, they're dealing with murders left and right and they want to make something of their life and get out and get out of there. So it's, it, it was hard for me to not judge everybody as a, immature 18 year old and i had to get to know them and talk to them and figure out why they were there and you have a variety of different reasons and you know so i remember one kid uh, that uh i don't even know where he is now but um you know en- enlisting because he wanted to buy the charger at that time you know, but... <laughs> <laughs> that is the most joe answer to <laughs> yeah <laughs> the recruiter promised yeah. him a charger yeah, at yeah, only twenty yeah. percent interest too. Right? Yeah, 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 I was gonna say, yeah, yeah only twenty eight percent interest, and uh, God, that is the yeah. most for me private thing ever. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, did, did the drill sergeants it, treat you different? Yeah, they did. It was I. It I tried to keep it under wraps what I did for work at that time because I was I was only, I was going through what is it, BCT, so I wasn't going through uh, OSET like like you did. With yeah, the, your eleven Bravo. Yeah, so I. Uh, I was just going through OSET, and, or I wasn't going through OSET, just BCT, and it came out. We were talking, doing a FTX one day, talking about doing field sketches, and I had been accustomed to doing them, being a sniper on the SWAT team. And they're like, "What do you know about field sketches?" And I let it slip what I did, and so I was known as SWAT the entire time. Oh, they, God. they, yeah. I think my we had a couple of guys in uh, prior service guys in my uh, company at the time. And well, actually, we had like six in the company, probably two purple, uh, per platoon that were transferring from like Navy or Air Force to go to the Army to fly helicopters. 
And so they had a couple of guys that were older in life or seasoned in the military that I think they took advantage of private <laughs> personally that were like, all right, it's our weekend off. We're going to leave everybody with, with you guys, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, like one of those things, like it, it wasn't that bad. It, you know, I, I was, I was put in for, what is it? Soldier of the cycle at the time. And man, I'm just, I'm in the reservists, uh, or excuse me, I'm just in the reserves, I'm not saying anything bad about the reserves itself, but you got kids here that are starting their careers and i you know went through for the board but i'm like these it's going to benefit these kids these men and women at the time to get the soldier of the cycle award it's not going to benefit me as I, 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 I don't know if that's a bad thought or like a bad way of thinking of it because i'm still making myself better and going through these uh boards and whatnot but and wasn't putting in the time or the effort to actually study as much as or as as I should, I guess. But I didn't want to take anything away. Not that I would have won if I put it hundred percent in, but if I had, I didn't want to take anything away from the uh, from the kids that were putting in hundred percent that were doing this for their career. That's very noble, so, man. That's extremely noble. Well, let me, I appreciate that. It just did you? Why did you? Did you not go to OCS? Want to go to OCS? No. Didn't want anything to do with that. What? Still don't want anything to do with that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I'm a, a, mag, a medic, a 68 whiskey, and you know I'd rather be a platoon sergeant than an officer because you I like work that one on one time. Yeah, I, I like that one on one time with with my with, with the my soldiers, and I like being able to build them to what I think they should be, or provide them some sort of knowledge i mean you can do that as an officer as you're well aware it's just it's a lot it's harder, harder and it's a lot easier yeah it's a Politics. lot easier just to have that yeah yeah and i didn't want to be stuck in an office doing paperwork all that sort of stuff and you know i'd rather have that one-on-one time actually doing the work working with the men and women and uh and getting to know everybody that way it's just being an officer never really like it just didn't really interest me and plus being a cop I didn't want to, I the being a cop in military is the last thing that I yeah. wanted to do. <laughs> you want to switch so. it up. You've been doing that in the real world for quite some time. And it's not the same military yeah. policing versus civilian policing. So no, no, I don't know. That's a smart all. choice. <laughs> and and also that. you got to look at it as like with you going to be in the medic in the army getting trained, you're taking that knowledge back to the civilian world to your buddies, man. Yeah. To real world yep. uh, real world stuff. So that's that's pretty smart. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. That's actually what my business is, uh, Appointment Defensive Solutions. I'm going to give a, a shameless plug right there. Go um, for it, brother. Go for it's it. It's actually <laughs> – that's what it is. It's uh, it's actually using the medic skills to train not, not only first responders, law enforcement, uh, fire, and EMS, but it's actually training everybody in how to save a life. It's trying to make people 1% better. If I could – if I could offer the training for free, I would. I'm offered at the uh, the least costly price as I can. You know, it's just it's something I love doing. I love training, and uh, and yeah, it's like you said, it's bringing that knowledge back because that's half of what the army is or the military is. It's bringing that knowledge back to your like I don't know private employer if you guess to call it that way or just your employer and you know whether it's leadership skills job skills whatever it is bringing that knowledge back and transferring it back into uh regular life 
if you could tell yourself something besides avoiding that IED back in 05, you know, something that you ha- would have liked to have known joining the army at 19 years old, what might it have been? Go to Ranger school, take the chance, don't marry that girl. Marry her later. <laughs> that, is, that is exactly what I would have told myself. Don't be so in love. It's okay. I'll- she can, like, you'll be there when you get done. Go, go to, and that's my biggest regret in my life, man. I had the opportunity yeah. and the chance in my hands. It was the single mo- reason I joined the army because I wanted to be an army ranger. And it'd be different if I went to ranger school and filled out or if I got kicked out because I didn't meet the standard. Yo, but to just have never tried, uh, I, I cannot, I, I, I would never get over it, man, because I just passed yeah. it up to get married and only to get divorced, not even two years later. So loan opportunity. another typical army thing that happens. Yep. <laughs> You got to get the charger to get get the charger enlist to get the charger to get the girl pass up all your opportunities and cry about it later until the day you die. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it happens. Everything happens for a reason in the way it's supposed to happen. You know, it does. I tell my wife now, I tell my wife now, like, you know, you know, wife number three girl don't feel special. But, you know, if it wasn't for my first two horrible marriages, I wouldn't be able to appreciate what I have with her at home now and how awesome she is. You know, so I say for a reason. I, I talk about that too because I was uh, previously married and with no kids or anything like that. But if I had uh, enlisted at 06 or 2006, I might not have met my present wife and wouldn't have my four month old son. And there's nothing that I would wouldn't do for them. You know what I mean? So it's oh, it, it everything happens for a reason, dude. It, it's just one of those things. <laughs> it's the same thing with uh, when you enter policing. If you could tell yourself something. But when when you actually raise your right hand and raise your right hand and uh, sworn in, what what might it be? Actually, that's kind of what I'm doing my second book on, man. Just second book, that, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna start working on it this year. Just kind of that conversation okay. between my young self and my old and my salty veteran self, yo. But just kind of passing knowledge <laughs> on. <laughs> what would I tell myself? You know, it's so many things. I think the one thing I would tell myself is to not get lost in this job. And to still maintain your identity outside of your uniform, because yeah. I, so many of us get caught up and swept up in in just being a cop, and it's like it consumes you, and it's like you love it, but it'll never love you back, yo. But you you have to have something outside of being a cop to make you who you are and unique. And man, I mean, I mean, for years, man, all I was was Dex a cop. I'm a cop. I'm a cop. I'm a cop. And man, and I remember during the riots, and as I was getting older. And I was hurting a lot more. And I was like, you know, I'm sitting to talk to my wife, like, who am I? What would I be if I wasn't wearing this uniform? You know, and I could never answer that. And so that's a, that's yeah. why I'm kind of glad I also started the podcast and I wrote a book because man, it, it gives me something more to focus on and look out, look, you no, know, look forward to besides just putting on the uniform every day, which I love. That is my passion that God created me to be a cop, but I'm not going to be a cop forever. You know, I'm going to do it as long as I can, but I'm one day I'm going to take the uniform off and I don't want to just be able to, at the bar and have a bunch of cool stories from the streets, always dwelling on the past, you know, just talking about, you know, like guys I know from Iraq, all we talk about is, you know, 2004, 2005 Iraq. And it's just like, what about the rest of life, bro? Like this 38 years I've been alive, man, going on 39 years. You know, that's a small snippet of my life. And you can't let that small snippet of your life be your entire life and your entire identity. You have to move on. And so that's why I'm glad exactly. I now I I'm a published author. I have that to throw 
in front of my name besides just being a cop. I'm a podcaster, but Lord knows everybody's got a podcaster. How special is that really? But it's still, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, but it's just, but it, it's something I take pride in because a lot of people have a podcast, but not everybody's consistent with it. You know, you got some people put it out once every year or something, you know, but I'm doing pretty good keeping it consistent, man. And so I'm just proud to have something that identifies me outside of the uniform. That's why I tell people that my podcast is the I am Pitts podcast. The last thing I want to do is have be like some people that have officers still in their name that not, nothing against them. They're great guys, mm-hmm. but it's like you have officer Daniels who hasn't been a cop in a long time. Great guy, funny mm-hmm. content, but he's not a cop anymore. You know, you have officer Tatum, you know, Brandon Tatum, he's got great content, but he's not a cop. And I was like, man, I don't want to just be, you know, box myself into Dexter, the cop podcast. And I was like, no, more than just a cop. I am Pitts. I can be Pitts in mm-hmm. uniform, out of uniform, wherever I am, I'm always going to be Pitts. So that's why I decided and came up with I am Pitts. You know, I don't want to just be a cop my entire being, you know, my entire time in this life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not who you are. It's what you do. That's yes. all it is. You know, people say that, who are you? I'm a cop. It's not who you are, man. It's, you know, your father, your husband, you have, like you said, you're, you're an author, a podcaster, all this, all these other things. And I can definitely relate with that because for me, when I left full time, it was, I had to remind myself probably every day to stop living life in the rearview mirror. Cause like you said, it, it's one of those things that develops into who you are and it's hard to separate it and make it's it what you do, hard. but not who you are. And it, it's just one of those things of, you know, like you said, have these outside activities, have those other people that, especially close friends that aren't law enforcement, you know, cause you can go and you're not talking about the job while you're off duty. It's having a different life while you're off duty. You go to work and you become the cop. You know, and you, once you're, once you're done and you're done for the day, you take your uniform off and leave the station. It's one of those, it's just what you are. You leave the job where it, it, where it has to be. And for me, it was like, like, like I was saying, not living life in the rearview mirror. It might've been what I did, but it's not who I am anymore. <clears throat> who I am is ahead of me, you know, being a, a father, a husband, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's uh there's definitely great advice. I wish, I wish I, I knew that at that time when I was getting on the job back in uh, 2010, it was just one of those things that was, it's hard to develop as you're quite, quite uh, well aware. It's just one of those things that's, that's, hard to actually implement into your life it's a culture bro this i tell people this job it's a literally a lifestyle it's mm-hmm. literally it's it's ingrained in you man it's just it's just what it is and it, it it sucks you in and it's hard to get out of it man i we've had so many people over the last few years that have left the pd gone to civilian jobs and they're already back like hey, what happened I hated yeah. it <laughs> you know yeah. i tell people yeah. understand i left policing i went to go do fed work was on the border patrol for a year, hated it, man. And then when I was without a job in between trying to get to my next police department in Arizona, you know, I was just kind of sitting around like, God, this is horrible. Like I'm wa- over here on the TV watching, uh, what is it? Uh, live PD. Just like, God, I want to get back in. It was so bad. You know, they're doing just, it wrong. They're doing it wrong. Yeah, just, <laughs> like, go, go make a passenger side approach, man. Like, you know, like he's got his hands in his, like you just, it, it becomes every bit a part of you. And it's so hard to separate it. But I will say, man, you know, we give a lot of the young cops, this younger generation, a lot of crap. But I'll be honest, bro. I'm impressed with them because bro, it seems like they're able to separate from this job 
in this profession a lot easier than the my generation and other people older officers bro like when they're off like literally they're off well, except for funny. the tiktok cops yeah except, they, for them. except for them you know that whole yeah, generation yeah, like, that's, they, that's, they become cops just to do tiktok videos and crap but bro like yeah. they're done they're done man it's like they they're they not sticking around and putting up with any bullshit yeah <laughs> i'm, I'm kind of uh, impressed by that me too. It's I, I definitely now that you say that I've definitely seen it. It's it's kind of like your generation, my generation. We're like that transition period because you think about it. The guys that were on are retiring when we got hired. You know, what did they do? They they got off duty. They hung out with the guys they worked with. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And same thing. We were watching cop movies back in the day. What did they do when they're off duty? Hanging out with the guys they work with. And yep. so. I think we're that generation that knew that it didn't have to be that way and probably shouldn't be that way. And it's like you just said, it's, it's, it's transforming into not being that way. Yeah. It's good to have the connections and the camaraderie while you're working and off duty, getting together every now and then, but man, it, 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 it's not who you are. It's just, it's what you do for work, leave it at work and it's going to benefit your life entirely just to leave it there. Yeah, man. Like I say, I've, I've texted some of these cats before, and I'm like, "Hey, what's up, man? Like, oh, I'm off. All right, <laughs> I was just saying, all right, okay. <laughs> like, oh, all right. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Point taken. I got you. <laughs> but uh, next, we've been at this for what is it? What does that say? Hour, three, hour, and three hour minutes. And three minutes man. You got any uh, anything else you want to uh, talk about? Oh, brother, I could talk to you forever, man. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Just keep I that uh, that, that northern. Just keep that northern accent coming for me. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. Now, but, did you deploy uh, yeah. at all? No, I have not yet. Um, I just I missed them at that time. I had the opportunity to to go overseas and, and other locations, but at that time, I I was still wanting to go to the Middle East, and it just it never came down uh, down the pipe for me. But. Say, that like, ship is definitely sailed now, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, but like it, it all comes around. It all comes around. Oh, it, yeah. You know, you, you talk to guys. One of my uh, good friends who I had on the podcast was a retired SEAL. And uh, he had, I would say, became a SEAL in 86. And then. Oh, geez. Yeah. So 15 years before 9-11 happened. And imagine 15 years of not downtime, but concentrating and all that sort of stuff and never actually experiencing combat for 15 years you know yeah. and so it, it all comes around i'm not worried about it when it's my time it's my time so it, it, there will definitely be a conflict of some sort in yeah. the future man i think it was it uh plato or that said only the dead have seen the end of war yep literally bro yep. there's all there's gonna be a war for my children if i don't fortunately their grand you know my grandchildren and their future generations that that is just the crux of humanity bro we are very intelligent creatures but we are just awful to each other man yeah and, it, yeah. and then i mean we see that we see that every day on the streets as police officers and that's only cut on the news anymore because it's just so much negativity man and i can't deal with it. i told you i i i am the news at work like i live the news <laughs> 10 hours a day five six seven eight days a week it was like eight days a week what <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like especially i've been nice that's to that tbi man yeah bro. but yeah you know you know it's just so much negativity in the world you know, and that's why with my podcast, I try my best to not be so negative. Although, you know, sometimes it slips in, you know, it's just, it's just the world we live in, man. But yep. I try to bring people a different perspective and not be so left or right. You know, yeah. I'm a conservative. Unfortunately, I'm a Republican and I don't really feel like who else I'm going to vote for at this point. Although I'm mm-hmm. disappointed with both parties, man, but it's just like 
everything is just so polarized now, man. And I'm doing my best with my podcast to be a down the middle, reasonable person and trying to understand people. And like we were talking about earlier, how complex things are just gray. Sometimes people make decisions that might seem wrong to us, but when they're in that moment, like you got to feed your family and what am I going to do? I'm going to Walmart to steal. And it's just like, is this guy really a bad person or is he just really a desperate person? You know? And it's just like, ask me that 10, like 13 years ago as a rookie. I'm like, hell yeah, we're going to put him in jail forever. You know, versus now. And I'm like, give this brother a little bit of mercy, you know, try to understand what it's like now that I have kids and like, if I could feed my children, what extent would I go to, to be able to feed my kids? You know, it's just stuff like that. And that's just, that stuff that comes with time, you know, and just time in the job, you just kind of learn, man. And I'm doing my best to get out of being such a hardcore cop to where it's just this or that. And because this or that is not that simple. It, it, it isn't. And it, it's, it's almost kind of the, the way somebody told me in the Academy, one of the instructors, and I wish I could remember exactly who it was, but he said to the class, we're all just trying to make it through the day, you know, and we're all just trying to make it through the day, get to work, get to home at the end of the day. Sorry for my uh, son crying in the background, but um, sing it, buddy. Sing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he's singing it all right. <laughs> but uh, we're all just trying to make it through the day. And I look at it, I was having a, I'm still part time. So I was having a conversation with my chief the other day. Um, you know, I look at it like I, where I work when I go back to work is in a very, uh, impoverished area. So there's a lot of poverty going around. And I'm like, well, am I really going to write the guy? at 6 30 7 o'clock in the morning who's going 17 miles an hour over the speed limit am i really going to write him a 200 speeding ticket where he's only going to make maybe 100 150 bucks that day like what what's what what's the point of that you know what i mean i get it if they've been mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and over again that they're doing something like that or like you said the petty theft like all the time i i get it when there's only so much you can do but mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're, you're just grinding them right down into the ground if you're if 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 you police that way. And that's never been my way. Um, a lot of the guys kind of said like, you look like, you look like Terminator uh, with the tattoos, <laughs> the six, five and everything. But he goes, you don't police like a Terminator. So I'm, I was glad. And he's like, I'm, I'm really impressed. Me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's uh, there. Same thing with my podcast, man. I, like I said, I identify like more conservative than I do liberal or anything else, but I'm pretty much man without a party at this time or at this point. Because, yeah. You know, just because of the couple issues that I agree with on the right doesn't mean there's not a couple issues I don't agree with on the left. Like I agree with some of the way, you know, that's some of the things that everybody normal. says. That's yeah. perfectly <laughs> <You know>? reasonable. <laughs> perfectly yeah, reasonable, man. It's but it's just true. like, oh it's my just, god, no! You got to be all in. It's just like, no, you don't. Yeah. But we've yeah, we've I, just got to that point in America where we've lost the ability to be reasonable. And I just, yeah, I just, hate I was it, reading, man. A, I was reading a book called "Cop of All Things" um, by <laughs> Mike Middleton. I think Middleton. I can't remember. It was a while ago. But in one of the lines, he uh, he didn't get along with some of his. Um, uh, what do you call it? LAPD? Like they didn't get along with some of his coworkers, and because of he identified as, you know, a, a Democrat and like, I don't give a shit who you like support. You know what I mean? I think we can all, we all have good points to bring to the conversation. We all have, you know, uh, good, good and bad on each side. Not every Republican uh, Senator or, you know, leader has my support. I mean, same oh. thing with, 
the left, but it's all about uniting, man. It's all, it's all, all it's all it's about. Yeah, yeah. Just like I said, at the end of the day, when the shit hits the fan and the bullets are flying, you're not going to ask me, hey, bro, are you conservative or are you a liberal? Yeah. <laughs> no, you, no, you better come lay down some fire, drag my ass out of here because, you know, that's just not nobody would, man, when you're in combat, bro, nobody cares about that stuff. The reason you went to Iraq, the reason you're in war, none of that crap matters, man, when lives are hanging in the balance. It just don't. Just yeah. like when we go to these hot calls, like somebody shot, we don't start asking questions. Uh, what's your ethnicity? What's yeah. your nationality? Uh, how much do you make a year? How, mm-hmm. how do you identify? Are you a trans? Like nobody mm-hmm. gives a crap when they call 911. And that's, you know, and that was in kind of another reason you know, why I kind of, why I left the Louisville Metro Police Department because, man, we were focusing so hard on issues that we worked to overcome in this country, like segregation, racism. And now we're only judging and looking for certain people to fill these slots. And I'm like, police is a profession where you can't just look at somebody and be like, hey, we need more minorities. No, I need qualified people in this uniform, bro. I don't care if you're black or white. Can you do this job when the bullets start flying and I need somebody there, code three, are you going to be able to be there and hold it down for me? And man, and we started going down this road and um, and that's the trend in the country where everybody's looking to be equitable. And I hate that term equitable. And just like, you know, racial, I, I just hate those terms because man, the nineties, we was there, bro. Like, after 9-11, we was there. Then all of a sudden, it's like everything's gotten thrown out the window. And now we're looking at we need to hire more minorities. And I'm just like, how about we just hire the best qualified candidates? That's and I understand that, that we have. That's all that matters. I understand we have a history in this country. I understand that there has been racism and prejudice. And, the, and let's be honest, police departments today, we are paying for the sins of yesterday because the stories mm-hmm. I've heard from police departments from back <laughs> in the day, dog. <laughs> hey, man, I don't blame people for marching and protesting at all because. Yeah. The stories I've heard from cops, I'm like, God damn, what did y'all do? Yeah, if those '80s what? cops are around now, they'd oh. be in jail. No, and '90s <laughs> cops, oh my oh, god, yeah. bro! Like, yeah. So that's why I, was, I can't be mad at people for being like, you know, no, there's issues on the police. Well, hell yeah, there's issues, man. But yeah. the way we fix those issues is by hiring quality people, not by starting a uh, what is it, a diversity and equity and inclusion department within the police department. That's when I was yeah. like, time to go, man. <laughs> time wow. to go, and so. I ain't, I ain't look back, man. I, like, so I miss my police department. I miss the people. I miss policing in the big city and being downtown. But at the same time, man, my life is like, it's it was time for me to walk away and get away from the chaos because that's all I've known for 13 years. What size now, is the agency you're working for now? I mean, I think we have like maybe 50 officers. Yeah, but you know <laughs> what, man? I started in a town that had, I think it was 70, and then I went down to seven. And then I made less so- at... Yeah, and then I left at we had uh twenty five. I mean, and and um, going from seventy to seven, you become a better officer. I think you do more. Yes, you do. You have to do a lot more work. Yep, you do everything. You know, it's it's everything. You process the crime scene. You write Mm -hmm. the search warrant. You write the arrest warrant. You interview all the suspects. I mean, if yeah, you can ask for help and get people there, but um. But yeah, you just become a, a better officer. So. Way more well-rounded because you get lazy in the big city police department. Oh, yeah. And I realize yeah. that's one thing I would go tell my younger self, bro, go do the hard jobs that you don't have to do because you're going to box yourself in when it's time to promote. You're not going to feel confident enough in yourself because you're gonna, not going to know policy because you operate in this small little box where disorderly conduct, trespassing, assault, you know, we just did, we did with the same little things day in and day out. Don't have mm-hmm. to collect the evidence and process the scene. 
And that's become all you know. And that's just your little wheelhouse and you're stuck. That's why I'm glad I left. And I, dude, I got to say, I did a DUI the other night, brother. I ain't did a DUI in like 10 years. (laughs) I, man, when is, ah, bro, I hope they do not play the video in court because, oh, my God, I was stumbling through this thing. Like, oh, man. This dude was drunk as a skunk, though, but he told me he was drunk. And so it's a good case. But, man, I was like I was so out of practice because I didn't have to do that in the city. Yeah. Just, did, yeah. man, if I can you know, catch a drunk driver, it's just, oh, he's too drunk to do the test or call somebody, get him here in like, you know, 10 minutes and or you're going to jail. And there's usually somebody there, man. But I found yeah. myself in that place, in that uncomfortable spot where it was time for me to grow and develop. And I didn't like it because I was outside of my comfort zone because I, I don't know how to do this. This isn't what I do. And guess what? I'm glad I did. And so the next time I do it, I'm going to be a bit more comfortable and a bit more better. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's good to hear. If people want to hear you, Dexter, where can they uh, actually get a hold of your podcast? So I am an audio only podcast. You can tune into the I Am Pitch podcast on all major podcasting networks. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, whatever it is. Just type in I Am Pits on Google. You can go there. If you want to get a copy of my book, you can go to IamPits.com, look it up on Amazon. Or as I tell people, if you want to sign an autographed copy from me, drop me an email at IamPits at Yahoo.com. If you got any questions or anything about policing or I tell people, hey, if you want to get into policing or if you want to police with the Louisville Metro Police Department, it's my former employer. But I tell people I would never crap on them. If you want to go work there, drop me an email and I'll tell you how to get there. And also, if you want to stay in touch with me, connect with me on Instagram at IamPits1 on Instagram. That's the awesome, buddy. Oh, man, I have uh, really appreciate you coming up uh, on the podcast tonight. Appreciate you and, having uh, me, man. It's been yeah. fun, dude. Oh, yeah, it has been, has been. So, uh, yeah, well, if uh, guys, you want to go to uh, Point Man Podcast on Instagram, you can follow uh, my podcast there. Like Dexter was saying, go to I Am Pits one on Instagram. You can follow his podcast on there. And uh, Dexter, you got anything else you want to uh, add tonight? That's it, my brother. Just, man, extremely thankful for you for having me on. Like I said, 2023 is a new year, man. Big things coming up for you, and man, just keep pushing forward, my brother. And I'm gonna be pushing right there behind you, my man. So, looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. All right, buddy. Take care.